As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Welcome to this week's podcast, everyone. And I'm going to start with that review of the week. We have Amelia RP who says, I am pregnant and thriving. First time mama, I know I wanted a natural birth, a birth center or a home birth, but that was just because that's how I was raised. My sister had done it too. I figured I should probably look into it and see what I want for myself. And this was able to remind me why they did it and why I was considering it as well. Thanks for all the different views and ways of having babies. Had no clue there was such a variety of ways to do everything. Six weeks away from the due date, my husband and I have such joy and praise God for every bit of it of this journey so far. There we go. I think I got through that. Um, thank you, Amelia. I'm so excited that you guys are here listening, taking all this information in, using it. Um, and I'm excited for today's podcast as well. As I told my listener, um, I, this is my favorite thing about what I do is actually connecting with you moms after you have your babies and I get to hear all about your birth stories. It was my favorite thing that I did when I taught in-person classes too. We get everybody together and they all share birth stories um, and we all just like live and breathe off of it. So I'm excited to have Amanda here. I'm going to have her take a moment and introduce herself and then I can't wait to hear this birth story as well. So Amanda, will you say hello to everyone and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Amanda. I I am 28 years old. Um, I was 27 when I had our daughter, Willow. I'm married to my husband, Alex. Um, We've been together for about 10 years now. This August will be our five-year wedding anniversary. Um, We were both born and raised in Michigan, and we still live in Michigan with our daughter, Willow, and our two dogs, Finley and Colby. I'm a nurse. Alex is a PA. So we're both in the healthcare field as well. So I love it. That makes me want to ask, did any of that play a role like your guys's medical background and how you chose to birth or what your concerns were or what you focused on for your pregnancy? A little bit. Um, being a nurse, I actually, one of my coworkers helped me find the OB I ended up going out, going with. And um, yeah, I mean, it played a little bit of a role, but we both Even though we're in the medical field, we kind of like to take things from like a natural standpoint as well. So, but I think the knowledge helped for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Tell me a little bit about your pregnancy. Was there anything unique, anything that stands out to you? Yeah. Well, I'll start um, before my pregnancy. I um, had an abnormal pap. 
a couple, it was about a year before we started trying to get pregnant. Um, so that led me down a road of a couple procedures. Um, I had what's called a colposcopy. Um, that was abnormal. That led to having a leap done. Um, and based on those results, my OBGYN at the time referred me to a GYN oncologist. So basically a cancer oncologist. Um, and so I met with that doctor. We talked a lot about where we were at in my life, how Alex and I wanted to start a family soon um, and kind of weighed our options of what we should do treatment wise. And um, thankfully he because of my age and because of wanting to start a family, he wanted to do more of like a wait and see approach. Um, because the problem with all of those procedures that I was having done is that it takes pieces of your cervix every time. So that puts you at risk, um, for trying to get pregnant also for, uh, you know, holding pregnancy to term. Um, there's a risk of going into, into labor during your second trimester. So, um, so we did a wait and see approach. He, his recommendation was to come back in a few months, have another pap, kind of see what things are looking like, how things are going. So we did that. I ended up also taking a more holistic approach to things in the meantime. Um, I met with a naturopathic doctor and she got me on a good regimen of vitamins, supplements. Um, I did some acupuncture. I did some IV infusion therapies and um, went back in a few months, had another pap and it was normal, thankfully. So, um, that's, yeah, that's when we could finally start our journey to, um, grow our family. So that was exciting. Yeah. So was there anything once you were, was it fairly easy to get pregnant? Did it affect pregnancy or getting pregnant in any way? Um, I was nervous that it was going to affect it, but thankfully after two months of trying, we got pregnant. So it happened fairly quickly. That's awesome. Yeah. And then how did that pregnancy go for you? Were there any, like, were you super sick in the first trimester? Is there anything that, like, stands out to you or was it pretty easygoing? Um, Thankfully, it was pretty easygoing. I had a really good pregnancy. Um, They did do a couple transvaginal ultrasounds to measure my cervix length just based on the previous procedures I had had. Um, But those were normal, so there weren't any concerns. And... um, you know, I didn't have any nausea, thankfully, during the first trimester. I just had the typical fatigue and exhaustion. Um, the only thing is that during the first trimester, I think I was about 10 weeks pregnant and I did get COVID. So that kind of, yeah, I know. (laughs) So that kind of knocked me out for a little while. Um, and the worst part was I lost my sense of taste and smell. So (laughs) I know, so like being pregnant in the first trimester and you're having these cravings and you can't taste anything. I'm like, (laughs) that's the worst. (laughs) And everything tastes so good when you're pregnant too. Like you crave it and then your senses are just like, yes, that's exactly what I wanted. This is the best whatever I've ever had. Exactly. So that was a bummer. But thankfully, you know, I got over that fine and that didn't cause any complications during my pregnancy either. So overall, just a really good pregnancy. That's excellent. So did your provider at any time, because you had had like early COVID during like the earlier stages of your pregnancy, was it ever a conversation about extra monitoring or induction or did anything like that come up? Um, Not the extra monitoring or induction, but she did recommend taking a baby aspirin for the rest of my pregnancy. Um, And honestly, I I didn't follow that recommendation. (laughs) That was just my personal choice. Um, Yeah. But that's the only thing that she wanted to have anything different. So, yeah, excellent. I love it. Different providers will handle things differently. And it just always makes me curious, especially with something like COVID. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, It sounds like you had one provider your entire time. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. So, um, okay. I, I had one provider. Um, she was in an office of four providers total. So you have your set provider, but you do meet with the other providers as well. Um, and then it just depends who's on call as far as who's at your um, labor and delivery. So, Okay. And was this an OB group or a midwife group? Yep. It was an OB group. Um, so I live in a small town, so we don't have very many options. Um, I ended up actually traveling almost an hour to my OB just to have some more options. And um, even with that, there weren't really any midwives in the area. So 
you know, my, I know my dream was to have, um, a birth center birth, but the closest one is about an hour and a half away and being a first time mom, I just didn't want to make that commitment. (laughs) So, um, so thankfully I, I found a good OB group and I was happy with them. So. As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Awesome. Very cool. Um, Maybe tell me just a little bit about your provider. So you said that you had mentioned Um, You asked some friends, some nurse friends, maybe even, you know, what they recommend. So what were you looking for in a provider and how did she support you in your desires? So I knew that I wanted to go a natural approach to everything. Um, Unmedicated was the goal and just the least amount of interventions. You know, I preferred not to do Pitocin. I wanted to do the delayed cord clamping and the skin to skin and everything like that right away. Um, so I had a coworker actually who has a friend that's a nurse in this OB department. So the labor and delivery department and asked her what her recommendations are because she gets to work with all the OBs in the area. So she, um, listed a couple and her, what really drew me to the OB that I chose was that she had mentioned she's very calm during labor and delivery and that she doesn't jump to C-section quickly. So those were kind of like the golden words that I was like, I think I want to meet her and and see how things go. So, and she, every time I brought something up, like the delayed cord clamping or anything like that, she was always on board and, and happy to, um, to be on board with that with me. So that's awesome. So you kind of felt from the beginning, just personality wise and what your goals were that that was a good match. Yeah, exactly. And her too, she's a little bit younger. She, I think she was a mom of four and she kind of went every route as far as um, her labor and deliveries as well. So she did an unmedicated as well. So she kind of, you know, knew that standpoint too. So I think that was helpful. No, that's huge. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, if every provider could have an idea of what that is right. before going in, you exactly. know, even the majority of OBs are, are men and you're like, I know that you want to understand. I know that I appreciate that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know that we can relate completely, but I appreciate it. Exactly. So that's really cool. Yeah. If you've got somebody on your on your team there that's been through it. That's actually why I was really grateful to pull a doula in with me because I'm like, she's done it before. Mm-hmm. She knows like I can trust if she lived through it, I will live through right. it, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. And that's something we did, too, is we did hire um, a doula and it was oh, actually awesome. a, a doula team. So two of them that work with you and then they take turns being on call. So same thing. It just depends who's on call or who's at your delivery. But so that was nice too, to have that support as well. That's awesome. So maybe tell me a little bit about your birth partner and kind of how he felt Mm -hmm. with you saying, I want to go unmedicated and and all this and the doula and everything like that. What was that like for you guys? Yeah. So Alex was great. Um, He was hands-on during my whole pregnancy and everything. Um, He was very supportive of everything I wanted to do. And he was a great cheerleader for me too. He, he's like, I have no doubt that you can go unmedicated. You know, if you put your mind to it, you're going to do great. You can do it. So, um, that was helpful. I think the doula was helpful for both of us. Just like you said, they've been through it personally and with all of their clients as well. So they could give us good tips of, um, I don't know, just, um, you know, ways to support each other and prep for the labor and delivery and what our um, expectations were and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, Alex was great. I, he was just very hands-on and, and, um, I don't know, just awesome. (laughs) 
That, yeah, that's what you need. I like that. Yeah. Um, what did you guys do to prepare then? So what did that look like for you? Maybe even on your own kind of what got you in that mindset always makes me curious, too, especially for first time moms. Like, what did you start researching or looking up or what came to mind? Was it because like you had a mom or an aunt or somebody who was like, this was the birth I had? Like what made you even think to look into some options for your birth rather than just go to the doctor and let it happen how it happens? Um, and then how did you and your birth partner work together to prepare? Um, well, I started with podcasts right away. That's really how I heard um I've learned a lot from podcasts, really, um, just the different options as far as um, even like the medication route. You know, I feel like even as a mm-hmm. nurse, I don't specialize in OB, so you don't know too much as far as all the ins and outs goes. But, you know, you think you think of um, labor and delivery and you think of an epidural. Like I didn't know that you could do yeah. water births. You could go in the tub. There were, you know nitrous gas options or IV options, things like that. So I think it all started with, with, um, podcasts for me, truly just learning so many different options, listening to other birth stories. Um, so that was great. I also just during my pregnancy stayed active. I think that helped a lot. Mm. Um, we, Alex, did the birth course with me. So that was helpful. He was hands-on and watched everything with me. We did a lot of the relaxation practices from the birth course. (laughs) It was huge. I loved it. Um, So we did a lot of that. We also did some labor practices as well. Um, We did the ice pack trick (laughs) for for, um, kind of mimicking contractions. And so I think that helped a lot for both of us, just the mindset. And then for him also, we did um, with the labor practices, he could do hip squeezes and like just, again, that hands-on of like, how can you support me? And, And that good communication too, when you're not in the midst of labor, like having that communication, like, I don't really like it when you do that, but maybe you could do this instead type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So did you end up using a lot of those hands-on things during labor as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hip squeezes oh, primarily. Good. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, a he was probably like, I can't squeeze <laughs> yeah. anymore by the time he was done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Oh, that's so funny. Um, okay, so you talked about kind of those everyday things that you did to prepare mind, body, spirit, work together. Was there anything that you did as you got closer towards your guest date to encourage labor to begin or things to go more smoothly? Did you do any of the like res- red raspberry leaf or um, evening primrose oil, anything like that? Yeah, so um, throughout my pregnancy, like second and third trimester, I did the red raspberry leaf tea. I wasn't super consistent with it. Um, Towards the end, I tried to be better drinking a couple cups every night. Um, And then I also ate six dates a day religiously from 30, was it 36 weeks on, I think is when I started. Um, And so I did do the six dates a day pretty, pretty religiously. Um, but other than that, just staying active, I think was huge for me as far as like trying to prepare and get my body ready. And I definitely had a lot of like plan B's if things weren't progressing. (laughs) Cause first time mom, I figured I was like, I'm going to 41 weeks and you know, we're going to be talking induction. And I was thinking of like all these what could I have in my back pocket as far as ways to maybe naturally induce rather than thinking about an induction? Um, but thankfully, I never had to to um, go with any plan Bs. I went into labor on my own naturally and and before 40 weeks. So that was great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So did you happen to have any vaginal exams coming up to your guest date? And did you, like what kind of information, if you remember, mm-hmm. did that look like prior to going into labor? 
Yeah. So um, when I was about 36 weeks pregnant, I lost a little bit of my mucus plug. So going into that next appointment, I did want to get checked because they gave me the option. And I thought, well, I I do want to kind of know what's going on since things seem to be happening. Um, So I think I was, it was either the 36 week or 37 week appointment. Um, My OB checked me and I was two centimeters dilated and 70% effaced at that point. Um, So that was super exciting. Cause like I said, I kind of had the mindset, like I'm going to 41 weeks, you know, I'm going to have to worry about being induced, but um, so things were progressing. Um, I did get checked again at my 38 week appointment and nothing much had changed. So then I decided at the 39 week appointment that I wasn't going to get checked. Just, you know, a mind game. I was like, I'll just let it be um, and see how things progress naturally. So do you can I ask, do you happen to know what your like how long your menstrual cycles were and when you ovulated? Yeah. Just out of base curiosity. (laughs) Yeah, I um. I did track my period pretty religiously after everything that I had going on with like my leap procedure and all of that. I actually was on the pill as well. So after I got the like, okay, you know, go ahead, start trying to get pregnant. I went off the pill. And right after that, I started um, tracking my cycle. And I actually even did the, um, the basal body temperature testing as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so yeah, I did know, um, my cycles were pretty much 28 days on the dot. And then I did ovulate right in the middle. So. Oh, perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It just makes me curious for you being first time mom going a little less than 40 weeks. That's that's super interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, now we want to hear it. Okay. (laughs) Tell us all about, (laughs) tell us everything from that first contraction all the way through to the end of the birth. Okay. Um, Well, yeah. So like I told you, you know, leading into it um, right around 37 weeks, I knew I was a couple centimeters dilated. Um, So we just, um, I tried to stay as active as I could. Um, you know, things were getting a little uncomfortable getting towards the end of, uh, my pregnancy, but, um, it was, I was 39 weeks and three days and it was a Sunday morning and I rolled out of bed, um, was walking to the bathroom like I did every morning. And on my way to the bathroom, I could feel some fluid going down my leg And so I announced to Alex, I was like, okay, either I'm peeing myself or my water (laughs) broke, something's happening here. So he jumped out of bed, we went to the bathroom. um, And I did notice that it was like a clear blood tinged fluid. So I knew it wasn't urine. Um, Yeah. So um, I put a pad on after that just to kind of see, you know, okay, so it it seems like it might be a little bit of amniotic fluid. What's going on? Obviously, it wasn't a big gush. Uh, I didn't think my waters had broke completely, but something was leaking. So put a pad on, kind of went about my day for a little while, and it was still consistently leaking. I could see it in the pad. Um, So reached out to my doulas just to kind of get their input, and they thought too that it probably was the amniotic fluid. So um, it Alex and I look back and we kind of laugh because we're like, especially being in the medical field, I feel like we were in denial. Like we were, we just like <laughs> went about our day. I was like, oh, no big deal. My waters are leaking. I'll just, you know, if nothing happens, I'll call the OB office in the morning, Monday morning and, and just go from there. And also I think I had that mindset still like, well, I don't want to tell them that my waters are leaking because they'll say, come in and be induced. So I just kind of, we kept it to ourselves. <laughs> kept it to ourselves. We went about our day. Um, we got outside. It was a beautiful, sunny winter day, took the dogs for a long walk, went to the dog park, um, came home, made dinner again, still totally in denial. We got Alex completely ready for work the next day, (laughs) thinking he was going to work. Um, and, and went to bed that night. Um, and then, so did you have any contractions during this time? None at all. No. no. And interesting. yeah, leading up to like probably the last four weeks or so I was having a lot of Braxton Hicks. So I was having Braxton Hicks throughout the day, but it was nothing, um, different than what I had been experiencing for the past month. So I didn't think anything of it. Um, but it wasn't until we finally went to bed and I woke up at 11, PM that night with, um, what felt like period cramps, but it did wake me up. Um, I 
you know, it was strong, just lower stomach period cramps is the best way I can describe it. Um, felt that and thought like I I was just going to try to rest through it. So tried to fall back asleep. A few minutes later, woke up to that same sensation and they were coming on kind of like waves where it kind of would build and then it let off. And so then I just try to rest in between. So that went on for a little while. And finally it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I can't sleep through this. Um, I think I'm going to go up in the living room, get comfortable, try to do what I can to just, um, you know, see what's going to happen here. So at that point I left Alex sleeping. I thought, we'll just see what happens. Uh, went out to the living room. I had the whole setup, the lights dim. I had my essential oils that we would use during the relaxation practice. Um, I really liked the Christian hypnobirthing app. So I put that on, I had my birth ball just kind of bounced around on that a little bit. Um, and when these contractions would hit, I would usually be on all fours or kind of like leaning over my birth ball, just kind of rocking through it a little bit. Um, at that point, I also started using my contraction um, timer on my phone so I could see how far apart they were. And um, from the get-go, they were about 10 minutes apart, lasting a minute. And then they were progressing decently quickly. So I ended up calling my doula. Sorry, I keep looking down at my notes because I'm like, I wrote down what time. Oh, yeah. The time no, frame. I love it. <laughs> so um, I called my doula about one in the morning and gave her the heads up like, hey, my contractions, I've had them consistently for almost two hours now. They're lasting a minute. And at 1 a.m. when I called my doula, they were five to six minutes apart. So I, at that point, you know, I was like... I can handle them. They're not too bad, but we're heading into the middle of the night. I I want you to have the heads up that something is happening here and they're consistent. Um, So a little bit after that, I finally woke Alex up because they were starting to get pretty strong. So woke him up, um, told him what was going on. What I ended up doing was bringing the birth ball in our bed and I would try to lay down in between contractions. And then when one would hit, I would get up and lean over the birth ball and Alex would get up and do a hip squeeze. And he was on contraction timer at that point. Um, and so they progressed to about three to five minutes apart at that point, And they kept lasting a minute. Um, so... After a little while in the bed, I told Alex, I was like, okay, things are happening. I think I'm going to get in the shower and like you start packing up and we'll just kind of see how things go. So the plan was I was going to shower, Alex was going to shower, and then we'd go from there. So I got in the shower and I think that that definitely progressed things because at that point it was like I was leaning over, I was holding on to the bar in the shower, really having to moan through these contractions. Um, I did have a little bit of blood at that point in the shower as well. And um, after coming out of the shower, they were about two and a half to three and a half minutes apart. So we went from three to five to two and a half to three and a half minutes apart. And at that point, something switched in my head. And I told Alex, I was like, you're not showering. You need to load the car and we need to go. (laughs) (laughs) We had like an almost, it was about a 50 minute drive to the hospital. So I was like, I know like this is it. We have to go. So he went, um, started loading the car. I, in between contractions, was trying to get all of my stuff together. And again, looking back, we're like, okay, when my water was leaking early Sunday morning, why did we not <laughs> load the car at that point? <laughs> we waited until, oh, you know, funny. two, three in the morning to do this. But um, so loaded the car and then Alex called our doula again at about, I think it was 2.30 or three in the morning and told her, hey, we're going to leave for the hospital at this point if you want to meet us there. So um, we got to the hospital, like I said, almost an hour drive there. That was no fun. I was in the back seat, all fours, leaned over the car seat, just really, you know, moaning through everything, kept trying to remind myself to not tense up, try to relax. I was um, telling myself out loud, one contraction at a time. You can do this for a minute, things like that. Um, and poor Alex, as he's driving, he's like throwing an arm in the back seat, trying to push my hips if he can, like, <laughs> trying to be supportive. Um, and um, on the way, I 
didn't tell Alex at the time, but there were definitely a few contractions where things were really intense and I felt like they were kind of pushing contractions. Um, like I, I just felt like something was happening. Like either I needed to push, I needed to throw up, like something was going on. Um, and so looking back, I think I was definitely in transition at that point. So Um, so anyways, we got to the hospital, got in, it was about 4am when I was triaged and the woman checked me and she goes, okay, let's get to the birth room. Um, we're going to head over there. And I'm, I'm like, well, how, how far along am I? You know, you got to tell me I've been going through this. I can't take it much longer. And she's like, you're nine centimeters. (laughs) That's amazing. I know. Hallelujah. Like I I've made it this far. Okay. I can do this. So, um, got to the birth room at that point. Um, I went back on a birthing ball. That's what I was doing for most of, um, my laboring at home. So got back on that birth ball. Um, they did want to start an IV and I agreed that they could do the saline lock. I didn't want to be hooked up to fluids and I was tolerating fluids perfectly fine. So everyone was on board with that. They didn't want to hook me up to fluids. Um, so started the IV, just kind of let me labor for a while. They had the um, cordless uh, contraction monitors, so or heart rate monitors on my stomach. So thankfully, I still had full mobility. I could be moving around. They did have a labor tub there as well. And I thought for sure I would want to get in there. But by the time we got there and I was so far along, I was like, I can't even think about moving or getting in a tub right now. I just need to sit here. So um labored there for a little while. And it wasn't long that I had a contraction and my body naturally started pushing with it. And so I announced that I said, I feel like I'm, I'm pushing or like I need to push. So I got checked again and they said, you're 10 centimeters. Um, so the doctor at that point just said, um, you know, just, just listen to your body, do what you need to do. When it's time to push, you can push, you're allowed to push on the birth stool in the bed, basically wherever they wouldn't have allowed me to push in the tub, but I wasn't in there anyway. So I wasn't too worried about it. Um, so I did try the birth stool for a while that just wasn't comfortable. Um, ended up getting into the bed and just kind of sitting straight up in the bed and they had the birth bar in front of me. So I could kind of hold on to that, lean over, really kind of let gravity work, um, and kind of crunch down as well, trying to push. Um, and I really enjoyed actually being in the bed. I didn't think I would, but it gave me the, um, breaks in between. So in between contractions, I could kind of just lay back and relax and almost pass out for a little while. Um, and so I actually did end up liking, um, laboring or pushing into the bed. So, um, while we were there too, it was really nice because they really, they listened to, um, how I wanted to have my delivery. So they had the lights dim. They put my app playing. Um, it was very calm and that was very helpful as well. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, I ended up pushing for about, it was a little over an hour before finally Willow was born. Um, we did end up taking a mirror out at one point because I think I was just, it felt like I was pushing forever. And I was like, are things really happening? Like, am I pushing right? What is going on? And finally the OB was like, yeah, I see hair. (laughs) Like things are happening. Things are progressing. So we got the mirror out just so I could see that as well. And so Alex and I both got to watch as she was being born. Um, And I did end up with a second degree tear that needed some stitching. Um, But right away, we did the skin to skin. Um, I did do the delayed cord clamping and the OB, who actually wasn't my OB. She was a different OB in the office. But the OB that was there, she allowed the um, delayed cord clamping. She let me feel the cord, make sure that it was finished pulsating before she clamped it. Yeah. So that was great. Alex got to cut the cord. He also got to announce that it was a girl because we kept it a surprise. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. (laughs) So that was great. Um, and we got to do the hour of skin to skin right away before they worried about taking her and weighing her and all of that kind of stuff. 
Um, and the only thing afterwards is, um, I did have, like I said, that saline lock and I told them during that I didn't want the Pitocin. I didn't want any Pitocin running. You know, I was having contractions perfectly fine on my own. There was no need. Um, but afterwards the OB did say that I was bleeding a decent amount. So she asked me, you know, I, if I thought it would be okay to do the Pitocin and we agreed that that would be the best option at that point. So we did do Pitocin. Um, I was happy though, because Willow was born at that point. And then I also delivered my placenta before we worried about doing Pitocin. So I, yeah, I was happy with that. Um, did the Pitocin got the few stitches and with that too, I did send my, um, my placenta to be encapsulated too. So I was happy to not have the Pitocin running through me when I had the placenta still in me. That was important to me. So I'm curious if I, I assume maybe your provider show, did they show you your placenta at all? Did you get to see it? Um, I don't, really remember Maybe. her showing it to me. Um, the, okay. the woman who encapsulated my placenta, she actually took a few pictures of it and sent it to me. Cool. So I did get to see did it she, that did way. Did they say anything about, I only asked because I've, um, I've heard kind of anecdotally about women who have COVID early on in pregnancy versus later and how oh, the placenta yeah. may or may not be different. So did, were there any comments that way about how it looked or felt? No, um, no. Awesome. The, yeah. The OB had said the placenta looked good. Um, it all, you know, came out in one piece. And yeah, I have heard that too, that the placenta could be like, um, almost like clotted or, or hard right, and yeah. things, but no, I, I yeah. didn't get that from the lady that awesome. encapsulated it or my OB. So very cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so neat. So with the placenta encapsulation, I love that you brought that up. Cause I know moms are going to be curious about this. Yeah. Um, what was the process like and what did you notice? How did you take it? Did it work for you? Do you think, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, um, another perk of having our doula there was she was the one who transferred my placenta. Thankfully she was willing to do that for us because you awesome. do have to, um, figure out getting the placenta to the woman or the whoever's going to encapsulate it for you. For us, the the lady who did it doesn't come to the hospital to get it. She expects you to bring it to her. So thankfully our doula was able to do that. That way Alex didn't have to leave me and Willow, you know, and do that for us. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that was great getting it to her. Um, it took I think about three days for her to get it encapsulated. Um, and I know I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but she gave me a couple options of how she can do the like drying out process. Um, so I know there's a couple different ways of, of doing that. I couldn't tell you all the details off the top <laughs> of my head, but yeah. um, ch- I talked to, to her about that ahead of time. Um, so it took about three days and then Alex met her to k- get my encapsulated placenta and he jokes about it because they like met at the central meeting spot and he's like, oh my gosh, it felt like a drug deal <laughs> trying to get your placenta. <laughs> The very best kind. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, and so I took it um, per her recommendations. Again, I can't really remember. I know it was um, so many, I think maybe like, for example, three pills three times a day to start and then you kind of gradually wean it. Um, however, she recommended that's how I did it. And, you know, obviously I have nothing to compare it to because I haven't had another labor delivery postpartum without taking it. But I will say that, um, I only bled for about two weeks afterwards. And I know that that's, um, supposed to be a perk of taking your placentas, decreased bleeding. Um, I definitely still felt pretty hormonal afterwards, but, um, but you know, it's hard to say. I, I would like to think that it helped that as well. Um, so as far as so it was I know. a positive experience for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I would do it That's again. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. Did, did she happen to give you a tincture as well that you get to hold on to? She didn't. That was an option. Okay. Um, I did okay. not have that done. I think next time I would, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. And why do you think you would? I, I, I know that the tincture can last a lot longer. You know, once I think I finished my placenta 
within maybe the first month postpartum, maybe six weeks postpartum. Um, and then that was it. And I, you know, you're still hormonal at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that I would like to have that tincture just for a longer period of time. I know you can use it like when your cycle comes back, things like that. So just something else to utilize. Love it. Um, okay. Can I take you back just for a moment? Yes. Back to labor and delivery. Yep. Um, you were talking about, you mentioned some really great things about how you handled contractions. Mm-hmm. Um, are you able to remember? So it started with the cramping mm-hmm. down low in the abdomen. Do you remember the feeling of contractions as they progressed and how they changed? And then I have questions about your positioning that you were using as you were going through it too. Yes. Yeah. So um, for me, thankfully, all of my contractions were in the front because I've heard horror stories of back labor, um, but all of mine were in the front. They all were low, feeling kind of like that period crampy feeling. And then as they intensified, um, I mean, they just truly got stronger, but it always was in that same area. So I, yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than the period cramps. Yeah. Um, but obviously a lot more severe, especially as it, <laughs> yeah. as it progressed. Yeah. And you did talk about it coming in waves. Did they ever become longer than a minute or closer together? Um, no, not typically. They typically lasted about a minute. Um, and that was right from the get-go that they were a minute, lasting a minute the whole time. And um, the closest that at least that I ever noticed that they were coming together was about that two-minute mark. Um, so I also did notice that going into like when I was in the pushing stage of labor, that they did lengthen a little bit. I definitely got longer breaks in between. Um, and and the contractions felt so much different when I was pushing as well. And it was a great feeling. It was like not, (laughs) yeah, it was like not as, um, I don't know, not as intense, like where you really had to moan through it. I think maybe because I was kind of active, like doing something with it, pushing with it, but that just, it it was almost a relief. It is weird. It switches. It's just like, like a light switch. It's a different sensation all of a sudden once it's time to push baby out. And I love that you mentioned too, being able to use the bed and utilize that. You're right. Because when you can rest in between contractions, it feels so good. It's like Mm -hmm. the only rest that your body has gotten that whole labor experience. You get it in between those pushing contractions and it's like, oh, women sleep. Like you had yeah. mentioned, you know, like I felt like I could fall asleep. Women dream in between contractions during pushing. That's a real thing for yeah. sure. Talk to me a little bit about, you talked about early on how you were using the birth ball, mm-hmm. hands and knees. It sounded like you were swaying. You were using the bar in your shower. What positions or what was your body doing that felt really good or helped you feel more comfortable when you were having contractions as time went on? So definitely hands and knees for me was was great. And also um, being on my knees and kind of leaning over my birth ball, like having my head on my birth ball and just kind of rocking back and forth. That was always the most comfortable for me. Um, And also like as we were in the house trying to get things together, trying to get ready to go, I would be walking around getting my stuff together. And if a contraction would hit, basically just leaning over anything. If I was in -hmm. the kitchen, I'd kind of lean over the um, dining room chairs. In our bedroom, I was leaning over our dresser. Um, Just, yeah, kind of having that like standing up, but leaning motion. That's what felt the best. And a lot of times I would be rocking my hips through it as well. Just that movement. That's what felt good. Um, and just the like open mouth moaning. That's like the only way I could get through them. Well, it's huge. And it is such a it helps relieve pain and gives it a little bit of power. It feels good. Mm -hmm. All of that. I mean, everything that you just described is just it's why it's so important to not get stuck in the bed, especially early on, because that's not going to feel good. (laughs) You know, when if you need to be leaned over and swaying. Yeah, movement was definitely like even hands and knees. I still felt like I was kind of rocking or, you know, moving my hips side to side. Um, And I remember like with the 
the labor practices and everything thinking like, Hmm, am I really going to be, you know, open mouth moaning? That seems kind of weird. Am I going to do that? But like when you're in it, you do not care at all. And once you start, there's no going back. (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, just loud roars and it was fine. It felt great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, tell me what was going on in your head. So you said like in the car on the way there, you were even saying outside out loud, like I can do one, just take one contraction at a time or I can do anything for a minute. However, Mm -hmm. you were saying that there. Mm -hmm. What what self-talk did you have going on in your mind during that? Because it maybe you could talk about labor land for a minute, how it is you're, you know, there's physical things happening on the outside that people can see, but you're in a whole different world inside of your head. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely um like getting ready in the house, um, it was kind of funny because I would hit a contraction and yeah, you just kind of, you focus in like that's your, your focused. I'm moaning through it. I'm rocking through it. I'm doing what I need to do to just get through that minute. Um, and then it would stop and then I'd be like, okay, like now I have to get all my stuff together and we have to get ready to go. And so it was kind of like, I was still, um, I still, I wasn't in labor land yet. Definitely. Like I was still hyperactive. I was ready to get things done. Um, knew that things needed to be done. Once we got in the car, it was more, more mental for me because I didn't have that mobility. I didn't have Alex to do hip squeezes for me. So like I, I mentioned, I, I had to do a lot of like the one contraction at a time. Um, you can do this for a minute. Like as I was moaning through contractions, I'd be like just one contraction at a time, one contraction at a time. Um, just trying to tell myself that you can do this because like I said, too, I think I was in transition during the car ride. So that's when you start having those moments of like, can I do this any longer? I don't, I don't (laughs) know if I can handle this any longer. So, um, just really the out loud talking of like, you can do this. And Alex would do it too. He would be timing my contractions while he was driving. And he would be my cheerleader saying, you know, you're 30 seconds in, you've got this, that you've got 30 seconds to go, you know, anything for a minute, you can do this. We had my, um, my meditation apps blaring in the car as well. So just having that to help relax. Um, and then, when we did get triaged and the nurse said that I was nine centimeters, that's when you're finally just like, Oh, okay. Like what a relief I, mentally. I can continue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like if, yeah. you know, that was the fear is what if she says I'm only four centimeters or something, you know, can I continue to do this? But, um, when she said that, that was, that was just such a relief. Um, And I think too, like having your partner be on board with you and knowing your goals that Alex was always going to be on my side. He was going to cheer me on. If we did talk a lot about, um, like, what if I start saying like, I don't know if I can do this, you know, maybe I do want the epidural, like, you know, for him to just know that even though I'm saying that that's not really what I want. So to kind of bring me back and, and talk about what our goals are and, and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I do a question about your water then. Mm -hmm. So when, like from time it broke to time baby was born, do you know how much time that was? Yeah. So it, um, it wasn't 24 hours. Um, I'm trying to remember it started leaking, it was probably like nine or 10 in the morning on Sunday. And Willow was born a little after six in the morning on Monday. So close though. Yeah, close. it was close. Yep. And I did yeah. tell them when I got to the triage, I said I had a pad on at that point. Cause I was, you know, leaking, um, um, amniotic fluid and a little bit of bloody drainage as well. <clears throat> and I told them at that point, I was like, you know, it's been leaking all day long. I've had this pad on, I've noticed that I've had the amniotic fluid. Um, so, and at no point do I remember any, like my water's actually breaking. So I don't know if it just mm-hmm. gradually all leaked or how that worked. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you share that. I mean, obviously, women are going to have to do what they feel comfortable with. But what you explained is very common when left alone, whether or not once that leaking starts, you have contractions or you don't, that if left alone, those contractions will come. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of love that you were like, we kept this to ourselves. We went about yeah. our day, you know, all of that. And then 
because I think it gives you time to, you know, maybe we don't even like you were saying, we should have thought to do a couple of these other things. But at the same time, like subconsciously, you're working through stuff, whether or not you realize it. Mm -hmm. And so allowing that space to just let things progress as they're going to and then move into it just naturally as your body did. I absolutely love that you shared that for women that are listening. So, yeah. And very cool. I did keep like that 24 hour marker in my mind, too, because I, you know, obviously didn't want to put me or baby at any risk or anything sure. like that. But I thought, you know, my, the, the fluid that's leaking, it's not, you know, doesn't have meconium in it. It's not sure. foul smelling, like nothing is abnormal about it. So I wasn't concerned as far as that goes. And I just knew I was like, if nothing happens by the morning at that point, I'll call my OB office. I'll kind of see what they want me to do. Um, and I would still be within that 24 hour mark as far as like risk of infection or anything like that. So Sure. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I love to end these episodes with a little bit of advice for Mm -hmm. moms and for dads that are listening. So what is your very best advice for moms and dads? Yeah. So um, for moms, I definitely would say to do the preparation. Um, I really enjoyed listening to the podcasts. I liked listening to other birth stories, Um, you know, whether they were unmedicated or ended up being medicated. I just liked listening to all of them just to hear how different scenarios could play out. Um, I'd say do the exercises. I definitely did the three exercises during my pregnancy. Try to stay active um, and do the relaxation practice because that was Mm. huge for us. And especially if you do have a partner that's going to be hands-on and active during your labor and delivery, um, I would definitely get them involved. And, and just that way you guys know how you can help one another. So, um, and then did you ask me advice for partners? (laughs) I can't. Okay. Advice for partners. (laughs) Um, um, definitely just being supportive, listening to your partner, listening to what they need. Uh, everyone's going to be different. So whether it's physical needs, emotional needs, um, and then I think postpartum too, just well throughout pregnancy as well, but just remember that like pregnancy hormones, postpartum hormones, they're a crazy (laughs) thing and that it will pass, but, um, to just be kind and patient and, and just remember that because I just remember Alex and I, postpartum specifically, like I would cry all the time for no reason at all. (laughs) They were happy tears, sad tears, anxious tears. It didn't matter. And I just remember sometimes Alex would kind of look at me and give me a little bit of crazy (laughs) eyes like, are you okay? (laughs) And not really like know what's going on. But so just just remember that like we're going through a lot and just be kind, be patient. I think that's really good advice for both moms and dads. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. Thank you for this story. And I'm really excited for women to hear this. So it's really excellent. Awesome. Thank you so much. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.